In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. We're going to talk about something here that is marriage saving if you're in trouble and marriage changing if you're not. So please listen to this. So It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is for you to become your best by calling you into the arena of manhood, calling you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and calling you up to your absolute best version of you. Because when you get it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we we salute you. you. Guys, thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and here with our producer and co-host, Dale Culver. How you doing, my man? doing fantastic hey man i am really excited about our guest today this guy has helped thousands of married couples through his writing speaking and counseling he's discovered a huge secret uh, to having a successful marriage not a marriage that survives but thrives so guys i want you to put the picture in your brain of a triangle an equilateral triangle we're going to get back that equilateral triangle in just a minute so I'm, i'm pumped up here so before we get rolling hey you got a man word for me i do you're gonna guess it You've already said it. I'm going to say, I, I, w- I would say elephant. You already said but it. But that's though. not going to be good. So I'm going to say triangle. No. No? What? <laughs> that's good, though. I see where you're going with that. I went with thrive. Oh, golly. Are you kidding? Yeah. You, did you remember <sighs> saying that? Yeah, I do remember saying uh, that. Oh, yeah. But why is thrive a man word? Well, because I think in our lives, well, no, I don't think, I know, we are meant to thrive and not just survive. And uh, I think uh, our, our, guest is going to cover that a bit and uh it really speaks to my heart where uh this last year my word is is uh initiate and uh, that's because i want my life to thrive in all areas and not just surviving yeah survive is very uh passive form of living and thriving is being assertive and aggressive and assert i some people would say aggressive is not a good word but i think sometimes you got to get a little aggressive so hey do you have a review shout out and can you explain why it's important that these guys go and write a positive review on itunes or yeah i their app? i didn't have uh, a new sh- uh review shout out but I, there's been some new ratings ratings and reviews are different one you click on a star what you like and review you actually write something when we get more higher ratings higher reviews it, it gets it put gets put out there more so so that it's in front of guys faces when they're searching for things so, so it comes to the front of the search yeah engines. so if you guys could help us out leave some reviews if this has impacted you we want to hear about it we want to celebrate that with you and and uh when i read them we send you out some swag so yeah. 
uh, we'd love to celebrate cool. what's going cool. on with you guys. All right, man. Well, hey, I want to get into our interview, man. I'm excited about uh, our interview with my new friend, J Dr. Jason Karampatsos. Hope I said that right. That was very good. All right. Hey, he's 40. Practicing. I, yeah, I have been practicing, actually. Hey, he's uh, 43 years old. He lives in Janesville, Wisconsin, with his wife of almost 24 years, Jennifer. Jason writes extensively on the impact of of perspectives and perceptions in marriage. So marriage is his thing, guys. He's the author of A Marriage Between Perception and Reality and today's interview topic, his newest book, The Elephant in the Marriage. He speaks at men's conferences, marriage retreats, workshops around the country, and his topic is how to thrive in your marriage relationships. So guys, I'm excited. Jason, how you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic, just like Dale. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks for coming on the show, man. I, I didn't add that you're also a lead pastor, uh, among other things, but uh, you definitely keep busy with uh, raising your kids and loving your wife. Absolutely. And, I, and again, it's just a, a blessing uh, being able to do ministry with my wife and, and with my kids. Really, this is a family effort as God has called us out here to Janesville. We've got a tremendous church family, and I really appreciate how much they support uh, the ministry we're able to do. Uh, not just in Janesville, but uh, impacting marriages and families uh, around the country and uh, around the world. Cool, man. Well, hey, I'm going to just jump right in here and throw you right into our rapid fire round. Are you ready for this? Absolutely. Okay, man. I, this is just, I've just pulled four words out of your book. And, okay. and I'm not going to lie, one of them is two words. It's two words together. Just I thought it would be fun to explain it and why you put them in your book. And I think you'll be able to hit this out of the park easy. These are like key key components in your book. The first one is the word perception. Perception, yeah. And if there's a key word to take away from the book, you've hit it right there. Uh, and real quickly, for those who have not yet read through the book, perception uh, is the active process of making sense of sensory input. It's the active process of making sense of sensory input. Perception is subjective. Perception is far more feeling than thinking. And perception is influenced by what sensory input one receives. That's from your perspective. And perception, as we'll talk a little bit more throughout the, the podcast, is more powerful than reality because we live with and react to what we perceive, whether or not it's real. Honestly, perception, that's our subjective reality. Uh, everything we think, everything we say, everything we do, it is coming out of our perception. Uh, and when our perception is uh, closer to reality, then we're, we're living in reality. We're able to make some healthier choices. But when our perception is skewed, when it's obfuscated, when it is uh, kind of runs awry, uh, that's when we run into some challenges in all areas of our relationships in life. Specifically with our marriage. You know, I, I just thought of this. I was a psych major in college, which means very little 25 years later, but self fulfilling prophecy. I, I see that in marriage, in, in perception here, that you project yeah. something upon your marriage that's not reality. It's, it's perception, but it becomes reality because you're, you amplify it times four. Yeah, in our relationships, uh, our, our, just in life, when we think something, you know, we see it, and maybe guys can relate to this, when you buy a new truck, uh, whatever color, whatever model it is, whatever make it is, all of a sudden you start seeing it everywhere on the road. And I talk a little bit about this in, in the book. It's not that all of a sudden, all these guys have gone out and bought the same truck, uh, but it's your perception. You're looking for something, and that self-fulfilling prophecy 
when you're looking for something, when you're looking for disrespect, right? That's what you're going to find. Yeah. Uh, when you're, and, and it works both ways though. Uh, when you're looking for, for love, when you're looking for respect and you're looking for honor, uh, you tend to see those things. And we'll talk about this a little bit later on, but some of those practical things we can do uh, is think the best of our spouse. You know, right off the, the bat, if our perception, if we're coming from that, that, um, that belief, hey, I am married to the person that God has for me, and you start looking for that, guess what you're going to start finding? You're going to start seeing it. Because he just said our perceptions, uh, they're not just our realities. And we'll talk a little bit more about that math. Uh, of this, but our perceptions, uh, as my study in the book we talk about of the elephant in the marriage, our perceptions are four times greater than reality. You know that that's so good. I, I we we talked about uh, on a previous podcast about framing your wife well, putting yeah. her and and how important that is not only for those around you but for how you perceive your wife. That's well. That the second word comes alongside of this word, and I think you're going to appreciate this word. This word is perspectives. Absolutely. Really, uh, you know, often just in our common everyday language, we might use these two words interchangeably, but they are very unique and very different. So perspective uh, is a particular evaluation of something, especially from one's point of view. So simply put, perspective is one's literal point of view. It's how you see things from where you're standing. Perspectives are objective. Perspective is the thinking side of the two, or as we just said a moment ago, perception is more feeling than thinking. Perspective is more thinking. Uh, and perspective is influenced by one's line of sight. What you see from where you are standing, like right now, uh, you know, I can look in front of me and I can see you. I can look out the window and I can see things. But if I move, I see things completely different. I think one of the uh, a great way to illustrate this, when I talk about this in men's conferences and we talk about it at length in the book, is the old Indian parable uh, of the, the elephant. We have some blind men who were asked to describe an elephant. And there's one guy who's over there by the, the legs of an elephant and he's describing as he wraps his arms around, oh, it's like a, like a mighty oak tree. And another guy's over there by the, the tusk and he's like, no, uh, absolutely not. It's like a, a sharp spear and someone's by the trunk standing right next to him. It's said, no, it's like a mighty serpent. You've got another guy over there by the tail. And from his point of view, you know, as he's wrapping his arms around the tail, it's like an elephant. It's like a mighty rope. And then you've got another guy over by the, the ears. It's, it's like a fan or by the, the side. It's, it's like a wall. And the truth is each and every one of them is absolutely correct while at the same time absolutely wrong yeah from their point of view from their perspective from where they are standing that uh, sensory input that they have uh, they're coming up with this and again uh, this happens so often in all of our relationships and today very specifically we're talking about within our marriages um, your wife might see something you might see something and you could be just like the blind men describing an elephant you know you're right. Your wife knows that she's right. But at the same time, uh, you're both absolutely incorrect yeah. at times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, hey, one. I'm going to just do three words today. I, I was going to give you a hypostatic union, but I'm going to pass okay. on that because <laughs> I think we're heading to do it. But I, but I know you'd hit that out of the park. But the next word is similarity. Similarity. 
Yeah, and so when we're looking at uh, our relationships, you know, there's a, a few different things that we talk about later on in the, the book, The Elephant in the Marriage, and we talk about our similarities. And so uh, there are the things that we have in common, uh, and we can look at this both, again, subjectively and objectively. Um, and in the, my uh, research uh, that went into the book, I had an opportunity to interview 362 couples uh, interviewed, uh, honestly, over a, a thousand individuals, asked them each hundreds and hundreds of questions. Uh, but if I didn't have both the husband and the wife, I, I took their, their information, their data out of the study, uh, leaving me with 724 individuals. And I asked them questions about themselves, on personality, on spirituality, and, and their, their relationship. Uh, and then I also asked them to answer those same questions about their wife, which presented for me both uh, some a, a self-report as well as an observer report. Real simply, they're describing themselves. So the husband's describing himself. The wife is describing uh, herself. And then they're also describing each other. And that allowed us to see, all right, where's that actual similarity? And so I take the, the objective self-report of the husband, the objective self-report of the wife, and we're able to look these two together and we're able to find that the more alike one is, there's a correlation to uh, increase in marital satisfaction. So there's a benefit to having similarities on personality, similarities and hobbies. But then what we found very interesting, and, I, and I, I'm a married man, married almost 24 years. So when I use we, I'm, I'm oftentimes just talking about myself, but I'm so used to kind of thinking in, in that two part of myself and my wife. But in the study, what we found was that that subjective uh, similarity, uh, when I look at my self-report and then my observer report, the more alike I think I am with my spouse, actually that also correlated with marital satisfaction, but that perception of similarity was four times greater a predictor of marital satisfaction. So real simply put, the more uh, alike I think I am, that's a greater four times greater predictor of marital satisfaction than actual reality. So we say perception is four times greater than marital, four times greater than reality. And so when we're talking about similarity or our question here, our word, uh, there's real similarity and then there's perceived similarity and perceived similarity. And that can make you happy for a while, but at some point we're going to run into real reality. You might think your wife likes something. Your wife might think you like something. But if you're married long enough, the truth will come out. Uh, and so kind of one of the, the thoughts throughout the book is really to uh, be ambitiously curious about your spouse. Try to find out who they really are so that your foundation is not built upon the sand, but the actual rock of reality um, and being able to, to build some similarities together. So do you find that the dating relationship is so based on subjective reality that it could hurt a marriage early on? Oh, you know what I'm saying? Because there, there, is, there is not that all-knowing. You're still in this courtship process. Or how do you work with couples through that process? Yeah, I think that well, one thing that I talk to uh, every couple that comes in for premarital counseling, I'll, I'll, I'll make this statement in the first session that the engagement is one of God's greatest gifts for a couple because it allows you to start thinking like a married couple 
before actually walking down the aisle and entering in that covenant as a married couple. Now, you're not acting like a married couple, but you're beginning to kind of walk through that process. There's that transition. And one of the reasons why couples so often really struggle during that engagement is because now they're starting to confront not just those perceptions, but now they're starting to hit upon some realities. So getting back to, to dating, I think really the more open, the more honest you are able to be with uh, someone that you're dating, uh, that really helps you create that stronger foundation, which will impact your engagement, your marriage, uh, and straight on through. If you're putting up a front, um, if you're saying things that you think the other one will want to hear, if that is the DNA of your dating relationship, uh, then that's going to be the foundation that your engagement is built upon. And if that continues into your marriage, uh, then that's going to be a very shaky foundation to build your marriage upon. Uh, but if you're able to start off by, really, it starts by being honest with yourself. And this is something I often tell with couples, like if if you don't know what you want, if you don't know what you mean by a statement, how in the world is your, your spouse going to know? How in the world is your girlfriend going to know? Uh, and so, and this is really comes to, you know, knowing who you are in Christ uh, and being able to understand what your preferences, what your thought, you know, really get to know yourself so that you can start there uh, in that dating relationship. Uh, my wife and I, we were really good friends for a long time. We met when we were four and five years old uh, and we were grow, we grew up in the, the church together. So when we started dating at the young age of 15 and 16, uh, we already knew each other for a decade. Um, there really wasn't any room for me to pretend. Uh, she knew me, uh, her friends knew me, I knew her and I knew her friends. And so that created for us a unique opportunity in that dating relationship and that's something that I think anyone has uh, available as they are intentional uh, to getting past just those perceptions, but to be intentional about building relationships uh, built upon uh, truth, real reality. And as we talked earlier, as you guys were talking earlier, that difference between surviving and thriving. Yeah, you said something that was really key, I think, and you've known her since you were a child. So there's no, yeah. there's no faking, there's no... You know the the dating, you know the the Instagram, you know Facebook world, you know, and all that. You you knew the real deal. So hey, well, speaking of the real deal, Jason, why don't you tell us a little bit about your self, your story, your personal life, anything else you think would be pertinent to our listeners? Yeah, appreciate the opportunity. So as I just mentioned, yeah, my wife and I, so we had a unique opportunity. We grew up in the church. We grew up uh, as as friends. Uh, her father uh, was our rural ranger. That's like in the church group, uh, like, a, like a Cub Scouts. Uh, he was my commander. My dad was our Sunday school teacher. So we literally grew up together in the church. And so, yeah, that created a unique opportunity. Um, I mean, she knows all my past. Uh, and, and I know everything. You know, we, again, we, 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 with our friends knowing one another, uh, our friends would talk. And so that created a unique opportunity for us to enter into our, our marriage as just really good friends. As soulmates, we continue now, you know, even 24 years later. Um, we uh, were serving as lead pastors in Janesville, Wisconsin, at New Life Assembly of God, a tremendous uh, church uh, with some great people really going after what God has. And our three kids are, are loving being a, being a part of ministry. Our, our oldest just turned 13, so now we have 13, 11, and our, our boy, nine years old. 
uh, and uh, they're loving it. I get an opportunity to travel with them as we speak at some men's conferences. And so it's an honor for, for them. And I know even right now they're, they're praying for, for this time. Wow. Um, going uh, to, uh, to Bible college, my wife and I had a unique opportunity to go to Bible college as a married couple. So we experienced uh, college life a, a little bit different and then going straight off into ministry. And it's one of those things for, for us as we were working with families, working with teenagers, working with individuals, it just it came to me that there had to be a more effective, more efficient way of doing this, you know, kind of doing life together and, and helping others as a pastor. And that's what led me towards going back to graduate school to get my master's and ultimately my PhD in pastoral counseling at Loyola University. Uh, and that's just been a tremendous uh, gift. And through that is really where, where we come to the, the marriage in the, the elephant in the marriage. Uh, wanting my time in college, my time in graduate school uh, to be something that would be meaningful to the pastor behind the pulpit, something that I could identify with as a, as a pastor. Uh, I didn't just want uh, just another uh, research study that wouldn't have any uh, benefit. Um, but I, but I believe that there's some practical things that could really help within within marriages. My wife and I were at a conference once, and we sat in a marriage workshop where they were talking about surviving marriage. Uh, and I'm sitting there in the front row as they're talking about what you need to do to survive marriage. And, and my wife could see I'm turning all shades of red, and I'm, I'm getting you know all, all worked up. Like, no, I mean, to survive marriage, you just need to not die. Like if you yeah. stay alive and your spouse stays alive and you don't kill each other, you survive marriage. You know, as parents, surviving parenthood is just getting them married, getting them off to college, getting them out of the house. But I am convinced that God calls us for so much more, not just to survive, but to to thrive. Uh, and so that's something my, my wife and I, even now, we're going on 24 years of marriage. We work daily. Uh, we, we fight for our marriage. We work hard for our marriage. We in, invest in our marriage. Uh, and one of the ways that we do that over the years, we've taught a, a Marriage 101, a Marriage 201, a thriving marriage class, where we're able to get into a room with a, a group of, of couples uh, and just pour into to their marriage. In the back of the book, The Elephant of the Marriage, there's some testimonies uh, from some couples of how that class, which then became the material for this book, have impacted their marriage. And it's just been an honor uh, seeing the way that God can help couples uh, to shift. And it really, as we're talking about that perspective, giving them a platform to be able to see that there's something more, that there's something better. So my wife and I, you know, we enjoy, uh, actually as a whole family, we enjoy Star Wars. We enjoy superhero movies. Uh, we've got a family rule that we can't watch any Star Wars movies unless the whole family is there together. And so something, if one of us is in the mood to watch uh, episode four, then we know it's a family time. We're all, we're all getting together. We enjoy going for, for hikes. I think my wife and I enjoy it more than the kids. Um, but they really do enjoy that family time. So although they might not look forward to, to eight, eight miles of, of hiking through, through the woods, uh, they do enjoy that, that family time together. Uh, and again, that's something that we've got to work at. You hear of people who fall in love. You know, as if some outside gravitational force just pulls them into uh, to love. But you never hear of anyone falling into a healthy marriage, a thriving marriage. That takes work. Uh, that takes daily work and, and the grace of God uh, in the relationships. And so, you know, we find things that we enjoy as a family. 
uh, and we, we work on that together. Uh, and again, continuing to work on our marriage. Well, I, I tell people that you fall in love for about three weeks and you spend the rest of your life rising into love. <laughs> and rising is a climb and climbing is work. And so I appreciate that. Hey, you know, yeah. I, I understand the idiom, the elephant in the room, but yeah. you got to help me with the elephant in the marriage because I want to know, well, I do know, I read page 23. So uh, <laughs> what is the elephant that's actually in the marriage based on your book? You you describe what this elephant is. You use a couple ways to describe it. But uh, I, I thought it was really interesting. So when I pick up this book and I read, I'm looking for this elephant. What was that elephant in the room that you discovered? Yeah, and again, we understand that the idiom, the, the elephant in the marriage, I'm uh, sorry, the, the elephant in the room, there, there's something in the room that we don't want to talk about. Uh, there's something in the room that, uh, in the relationship, there's something in our life that's causing that's causing troubles. Uh, and you know, when I was praying about a, a title for this book, uh, honestly, I had a, a a horrible title for it, and I just was borrowing it from my my, my dissertation. Um, and my agent was like, "It's a horrible title," and and the editors were like, "It's a horrible title." And so I sat down with uh, just a, the grace of God, I've got a good friend who's a New York Times bestselling author. And I sort of sat down in Mark Batterson's office. I'm like, hey, Mark, I've got a list of titles. Circle maker. Um, <laughs> yep, circle maker. And I'm like, hey, so he knows. And so he looked down this list of 13 titles and said, this is the one. And then he also helped me with some of the, the chapter titles to make them uh, a little bit catchier. I've got to give him credit for the chapter called Fight Club. Uh, as he looked at it, he said, nope, this is what it should be called. Um, but the elephant in the marriage, it goes by many names, some more accurate than others. Many call the elephant unmet expectations, disillusionment, or disappointment. Others focus on how they feel when they notice the elephant in the marriage and have named it frustration, infuriating, or unfair. Uh, these are all apt names, but what we are really talking about with the elephant in the marriage is the truth that you and your spouse are living two different realities. Uh, and, and the way that I like to summarize that is, and I talk about this in, in the book, it's not that we're from different planets. We just need to get on the same page. Uh, we see things differently. Uh, and some of that is because one's a man and one's a woman. Um, <laughs> but also, we just have different experiences. Uh, we have different perceptions uh, that come from our different perspectives. Uh, and... Uh, as we can uh, learn to identify that, I, again, with the elephant in the marriage, it's one of those things, or even just the elephant in the room, uh, we don't know what we don't talk about. Yeah. And so if we can begin to, to talk about it, demystify it, and say, all right, so when I said this, this is what, what you thought. And when you said this, and you know, one of the things, that, uh, true story, uh, one morning I'm getting dressed, getting ready for church, and uh, I've got my, my shoes on, and my wife turns to me and says, are you going to wear those shoes? Oh, I've never heard that before. <laughs> and, and, and I'm standing there. And, and again, I'm smart enough to not say, well, they're on my feet. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm thinking, what does she mean by, by that? Do they not match my suit? Uh, do they not match my outfit? Is it not the same color as my belt? Do these shoes make my butt look big? Like what is she <laughs> by that? Um, and what she meant, because we, we talked about this, what she meant is right, those shoes might be too casual oh. for a lead pastor in a church on a Sunday morning. Um, what I'm hearing her say is a question. Are you going to wear those shoes? 
Um, she's trying to help me out as my helpmate, as my soulmate, as, as my partner in, in ministry. Uh, and, but I don't know. I don't know what she's thinking. Uh, men read headlines. They don't read minds. And True. so, Mary, God, give me wisdom. Give me guidance when to shut up, when to listen. Um, and to begin to start, uh, honestly, it's, it's looking into those corners that it would just be easier. You know, we might think it is easier to just not deal with these things. Patrick Lencioni in his book, The Five Dysfunctions of the Team, he, he talks about this, uh, again, in a corporate setting. Uh, but as a guy who works with marriages, I'm thinking about this and the, you know, that, that team within a marriage. We might think that it's going to be harder work and take more time to address these things. Um, but just as uh, Patrick Lencioni found, it saves time and money for organizations and companies to address these things. Uh, honestly, it's true in our marriages. Uh, when we address those elephants, those unmet expectations, the fact that we live in different realities and so that we can, um, again, we live on the same planet. We just need to get on the same page. Well, when you say two different realities and you say uh, we see things differently, I mean, I know that. And I've heard the, are you wearing that to church today before? But what, <laughs> a great illustration I found in your book was you called it the fun house mirrors, these fun house mirror perspectives. Yeah. And you went on to say something on page 26. It was really profound. And I want you to unpack it. You said, Based on this funhouse mirror, we see these mirrors, and they're not true reality. They're distorted based on you know our our figure and and what we're seeing and our angle. If you said if there is ever going to be any change, it needs to begin with you, and if that change is going to have any chance of occurring, you need to be open to accepting that all that you have known may not all be that you have thought it was, what you thought it was. Everything you have held on to as dogmatic may end up not being the complete picture. That was so powerful to me because so often we want to frame our spouse or put them in a wrong light. Instead of we look out the window, instead of looking in the mirror, and, and why is understanding this perspective so vital in a thriving marriage? Yeah, again, so why it's important to understand our perspective is to know we do see, we do see things differently, literally we see things differently. And if we're not aware of that with our perspective, then we're unable to truly own and appreciate just how subjective our realities are. Um, and so being able to, to, to communicate better, to be able to get on the same page. And again, it's just being able to admit. And, and it can be tough. It can be tough for people to admit that they're wrong. Uh, to admit that they're not seeing something or, or not understanding something. I mean, how many people will, uh, will will be driving around a neighborhood just refusing to ask for directions because they don't they, they refuse to say, hey, I looked at the map wrong or I looked at the directions or I'm not remembering where things were uh, or if we're looking at a, at a problem. But as God has brought husband and wife together, uh, they are uniquely created and together we see the fullness. You know, man and woman were created in the image of God and together we're able to more accurate, accurately reflect uh, who God has created us to be in his image. Uh, but we can't do that when we're just stuck in our own, with just that limited information uh, of our limited perspective. Uh, when, we're when we're going through life uh, with our funhouse mirrors and we believe, hey, what we're seeing is accurate, when, when it actually it's not completely accurate. Um, and that's not saying... Uh, hey, uh, you're full of errors, you're full of mistakes, 
it's just accepting just a, a law of science that we all see things differently. Well, we're going to take a short break and hear from our sponsor. We're going to come right back. The Men in the Arena is a nonprofit organization with a mission to help men become their best version and change their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts, and every man in the arena matters. Our closed Facebook forum for men, appropriately called Men in the Arena, is a great way for you to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world. There we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group today. Hey, because of my passion to see men get out of the bleachers into the arena, I want to offer a free resource to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org. Simply give us your email. We'll send you a PDF copy of the field guide. This is my 365-day bathroom book for men. It's a study of manly words in the Bible illustrated with great stories. This is a great resource for all of our arena men. Guys, you're going to love this book. Men, the stakes are high. The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those in the anonymous bleachers pleading for you to get in the arena today? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode. So in your book, you, you quoted Henry David Thoreau, and he said, it's not what you look at that matters, it's what you see. Now, to me, I'm reading that as, it's not what you look at that matters. In other words, it's not your perception, it's what you see, it's your perspective. And so how does our perception being reality actually hurt a marriage. And then you wrote on page 131, based on that question, we tend to get extremely attached to the realities we live in, even if those realities are the source of endless misery. And it seems like that misery comes from a false perception of what we're seeing in the marriage. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, and so to real quickly go back, what we look at, that would be our perspective. What we look at, our literal point of view, Yes. and what we see is our perception. Did I, did I cross-wire those? At, at one point, and then you kind of come back and okay, forth. Okay, my bad. And this is tricky, uh, and that's why when I was writing the book, I literally had uh, five, uh, three whiteboards around my office, and I had these words charted out, and, and so as I was going through the process of writing it, I wanted to make sure that daily I had these words in front of me uh, because, again, we use them interchangeably. Uh, and that's just, again, uh, you know, etymology of words. That's not the important stuff. So let's go back. And if you want to rephrase uh, or repeat your question for me. Yeah, well, basically, how when, when we are living life with a false or a wrong perception, I call that we're living in a false narrative about yep, yep. our spouse. So we have... We have crafted a false narrative based on our misperception. How does that damage a marriage? Yeah, in so many ways, you know, that, that false narrative, I mean, as human beings, we create stories. Um, whether or not they're accurate, we prefer, and this is just kind of a, a psychological understanding of, of the human mind, we prefer a story that makes sense over a story that might be true. Oh, uh, and wow! Yeah, and we will we will consciously lie to ourselves if it makes the story make sense. Uh, I've done a lot of funerals, and, and 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 you have them sure as well. And so often we hear people say that statement: "They're in a better place." When they knew the person while yes. they were alive, yes, then they know what the word of God says, but it 
makes the narrative easier, they're in a better place. And so sometimes in our marriages, uh, we are living these false narratives. And it might be that your wife is out to get you. You know, that maybe that's something that you saw in your home growing up or that's something that uh, the media or movies are, are, are telling you and, and there's things that others at the, at the office are, are speaking into your life. And so if that's the narrative you're walking with, then you will see things based upon that. I, I highlight a, a study in the, the book where they did a functional MRI and they're looking at uh, individuals' brains as you're listening to statements from political candidates, those that might be from their party or from the, uh, <laughs> the other party. Um, and our brain, uh, the pleasure uh, part of our brain, it actually rewards us when we hear something that we agree with. Um, but then we discount things that we hear that don't fit our narrative. So we are okay with our politicians from our party saying something that is incorrect or even a lie, we're okay with that um, because it fits our narrative. Yeah. Now, you look at that within our marriages. When our spouse does something that fits our narrative, um, chemically, our brain rewards us for picking up on this, uh, whatever action that fits our narrative. So we have a choice. What is that narrative going to be? Uh, that this is a gift from God, our spouse is a gift from God, and this is a marriage that, although not perfect, we're going to work at it. Uh, and so when we see those things, it uh, it reinforces that. Or uh, if we've got these negative narratives that uh, perhaps aren't even accurate, they're not even truth, um, and then we, we see things that reinforce that, it becomes you know uh, self-fulfilling prophecies. Well, you know, it's interesting when we build a false negative, a false narrative around a person that's not our wife, it can hinder that relationship over, especially in the short term and even in the long term. But when we do that with our wife, that is a marriage destroyer. And I, I got to yeah. tell you, man, you know, as I read your book, I got through chapter 11. I thought, okay, this is stuff I kind of, kind of relate to. It's okay stuff. But when I got to chapter 12, Chapter twelve is the is worth the price of admission to me. Chapter twelve was the was what the book was all about. It was the nugget in here, and so I want to really hammer out what I found in chapter twelve. You call this chapter stronger than reality, and to me, it's worth the price of admission. And you wrote on page thirty three, uh, one thirty three. You said I need to amend the statement. You wrote this earlier in the book. I need to amend the statement yeah. that perception is reality by saying that perception is stronger than reality. And and I just want our guys who are listening right now, stop, pull over, and listen to this, guys. We're going to talk about something here that is marriage-saving if you're in trouble and marriage-changing if you're not. So please listen to this. So can you walk us through that chapter? Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, when I was writing my, my dissertation study, uh, wanting it to be something practical for, for couples, something that a pastor could actually pull out and use behind the pulpit to speak into marriages uh, for those that are sitting there in, the, in their congregation. And so we looked at uh, different measures of personality and spirituality uh, and looking at different measures of relationship. Um, and when we came down, we found from those, again, the self-reports and observer reports, 
when a when there was a similarity between husband and wife, it would correlate to marital satisfaction. So the, again, the more alike you are, the greater that satisfaction. Uh, but jumping right to it, um, not not to bury the headline, um, when we think we are alike to our spouse, that perception of similarity, whether or not it's actual reality, that perception was four times greater a predictor of marital satisfaction. Wow. Wow. Again, this goes back to those those false narratives and the narratives that we choose to write. Uh, we uh, we live in our own subjective perception of reality. And, and again, this isn't like uh, magical superhero, mystical stuff. This is like common, practical, everyday stuff. Our perception of similarity. If you think that your wife is X, Y, or Z, that will have a greater influence on your marital satisfaction than the true hardcore reality. Um, and, and this is one of those things we're talking about stronger than reality. Out there, there is a truth. All truth is God's truth, truth with a capital T. Out there, there is a truth of how much your wife loves you. There is a truth about how good of a communicator she is. There is a truth of what she is uh, conspiring to do against you or what she is not conspiring to do against you. There's a truth out there which honestly becomes irrelevant when we choose to just live in our subjective perceptions of reality. Uh, and so I encourage people, and that's really kind of the, the heart behind chapter 12, is to encourage people to, to seek after that truth and use that as that foundation to, to build upon. Well, I, I think this is so powerful. So the more alike I think I am to my wife, Shanna, the higher my level of satisfaction will go. Correct. But how often do we have people come into our offices and say something like this, Jason? Man, we've really grown apart, and I barely know my wife anymore, and or we don't do anything together anymore, or we have nothing in common anymore. Those are statements that must have the red alarm sounding off in your office. What do you do when you hear those statements? Because those are stronger-than-reality statements, correct? Yeah, that when they say that they're growing apart, uh, instantly uh, the light bulbs go off. And I'm curious, have they actually grown apart or were they never as similar as they thought to begin with? Because honestly, that means two different things. Yep. Uh, if you are growing apart, all right, then let's look at our heart. Why are we growing apart? If we put up walls, we put up barriers, are we intentionally drifting apart? Has someone or something else captured our affections and we are growing apart? Or is this actually a positive sign that you're starting to get to know your spouse in a way in which you didn't before? Uh, for the longest time, you were so self-centered in the relationship that you didn't stop to find out the truth of who your spouse was. And is this growing apart really just a precursor uh, to a thriving marriage. Um, both of them, they might feel the same. We're drifting. We're not as happy. Um, but there's some practical things we can do uh, in either scenario. So yeah, uh, flags and, and lights go off when I when I hear those statements. So, so this drifting apart and then growing together. So we need to, when, when a couple comes into our office or we, we meet with guys that are 
their marriages are stressed, you know, or under great duress. What object lesson do you give them? What word picture do you give them to to say this is what your marriage should look like? Do you have any kind of word picture you offer? Yeah, there's something really practical, and I don't remember where I originally learned this, but I've been using it for, for many, many years. Certainly can't take credit for it. Uh, I'll do it at the Iron Sharpens Iron or at men's conferences or in the classes that, that we teach or even on a, on a Sunday morning. I just encourage people, go ahead and to, to draw an equilateral triangle. You know, there's one of those triangles where the three sides are the equal size uh, and equal angles. Um, and then just kind of go through just some basic things that we learned back in middle school or junior high school about the properties of, of those triangles. Uh, with the angles remaining the same as it grows bigger or uh, smaller, those points become closer. And so usually what I'll do is I'll put God at the top of the triangle and then you at one corner and your spouse on the other corner. And so we've got those three corners of the triangle. And then just walking through biblical truth, truths that I found and confirmed in, in my study, and I talk about uh, here in The Elephant in the Marriage, that as one point, one uh, draws closer to the other point, the er, the other, the third, also draws closer. And so quite simply, this is how it works out. When a man draws closer to his wife, he will, he can't help it, but he will draw closer to God. And when a man draws closer to God, it will have a reciprocal impact on his relationship with his wife, and they will draw closer uh, and, and I presented this to them, uh, not just to, to show off math and, 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 hey, these are the things you learn in junior high school, and they actually do impact your life. But I bring this up to be able to let them know, hey, there are two avenues towards thriving in your relationship. Guys, if, uh, if your wife is there in a counseling session, if your wife is willing to work, if your wife is also reading The Elephant of the Marriage or, or investing in your relationship, then as you draw closer to one another, you're going to draw closer to God. And that will then have a cascading impact upon your marriage. And you'll draw closer to your spouse and you'll draw closer to God. And it just continues that way. But perhaps there's, there's guys who are listening today and they're like, you know what, uh, Dr. J, I, uh, my wife doesn't even want to talk to me. Uh, I, I, can't, uh, I can't focus. There's too much hurt. I'm going to say getting God's word get in a good men's Bible study, get in a men's group, get an accountability partner, uh, pay attention on Sunday mornings when the pastor's preaching, <laughs> draw closer to God, and it will have an impact on your marriage. It can't help but to. And so as we draw closer to God, it impacts our marriage. If we invest in our marriage, we draw closer to God. You know, I, I think there are a lot of resources out there for guys to draw closer to God. We have a tremendous amount of resources the men in the arena, and guys can get that on our website. Uh, there, there are a lot of stuff out, a lot of things out there, your pastor, your small groups in your church. But you said, uh, draw closer to your wife. You'll, if you draw closer to God, you'll draw closer to your wife. If you draw closer to your wife, you'll draw closer to God. Now, I, am, I wrote down on this on my paper, piece of paper here that drawing closer is synonymous to drawing, forgive me for the language here, similar. So similar and closer to me appear to be synonymous is that correct? Well, yeah. I mean, we are called to be, I mean, as Christians, Christ-like. I mean, it's right there in, in, in our names. Uh, as we are drawing close to God, what are we doing? We're becoming more Christ-like. 
Um, and the same thing with uh, our spouse. And now that's not saying guys uh, be like a girl, you know, and men be like a woman. No, here's clearly they don't uh, don't turn us off, and, and and that's what your take your takeaway. But find those common areas, find those similarities to your your spouse as you're praying together, as you're talking together, as you're listening to one another, as you're finding uh, hobbies that you enjoy together. Um, you know, my wife didn't always like Star Wars, but we found, hey, this is something that as a family that we enjoy, and it's something that we can we can do together. Um, being able to find, man, uh, again, I talk about it in the in the book, I can give enough shout outs to uh, the five love languages. You know, as you understand your love languages, your spouse's love languages, your kids' love languages, uh, it just creates an opportunity that even though you might speak different languages, find those similarities and the ways to be able to communicate love in, in a way uh, to, uh, to draw closer to each other. And the way that I, I like to just challenge men is to become ambitiously curious about your spouse, ambitiously curious about your spouse. Consider your wife to be one of the greatest scavenger hunts that God has put into your life, that no matter how much you think you know about her, there's still more to get to know. Uh, and in the process, yeah, you're going to become more similar. Um, and my wife and I now, we've been married for almost 24 years. Uh, I'm a lot more like her today than when we first got married. And, and she would, uh, I don't know if this is good or bad, but she would admit that she's more like me now than when we first got married. Uh, again, because we are investing in our relationship uh, together and becoming more similar. And at the same time, we have been seeing our relationship uh, with God draw closer. Well, your book, The Elephant and the Marriage, so there's an idiom. Here's another one, Don't you know, beating the dead horse. And we're going to continue to beat this dead horse because this <laughs> is so important, guys. You need to get this. Uh, Bill Harley wrote a book years ago called His Needs, Her Needs. We yeah. had Bill on the show. And if I'm not mistaken, now, Jason, you might be able to re refresh my memory. The top two needs of a man were an attractive spouse and a companion, or was it sex? It was. I think those might have been top three out of ten. But a man highly values a wife as a companion. And I've known my wife. I would say is more beautiful than she's ever been in my life. But she has taken on more manly traits. She talks smack to me. Her and I got yeah. scuba certified together. She gets out there in the mud and the guts and hikes in the hills with me. We snowshoe together. You know, and I have, uh, I'm going to get guys give me all sorts of grief. I, in turn, walk, watch chick flicks with her. You know, I, yeah. I have taken on some characteristics that she, I will go shopping with her and, Face and, cream. and, uh, you know what I'm saying? And so, uh, my, so I, I rebuke that. Anyway, and so there is this similar thing. And, and it's so simple for guys. Guys, here's the problem. Just fix this. Draw closer to your wife. <laughs> With hobbies, <laughs> do stuff with her. I, I don't know, Jason, how else can we say this to guys? If yeah, you feel distant just, from your wife. Just to be clear, you're not going to lose your man card no. by watching a, Love a, a it. chick flick. Love it. Uh, you're, you're not going to be less of a man by being uh, more like your spouse. Honestly, men, this is when you really step into the, to the arena yeah. and you be the men that your children need you to be. Um, and so, yeah, whether it's, it's hiking, it's reading books, watching chick flicks, it's investing in, in their hobbies. Now, that doesn't mean that 
everything has to be the same. It doesn't mean that everything your, your spouse likes. I enjoy golfing. When my wife and I were dating, I started to golf because uh, as a teenager, I thought this might be something that as we grow old, we could do together. Uh, turns out she doesn't enjoy golfing. Yeah. Uh, and so, okay, that's okay. That's something that I can do with guys at the church. It's something that, that I can do that I enjoy um, and that she doesn't enjoy. And that's fine, but I can't be living this separate life and then expect our marriage to be thriving. I, I can't go and whenever I have free time, just take care of myself, my needs, my wants, what I want to do. No, I need to be intentional about investing into uh, our marriage. And it's one of those things, it pays such great rewards. It, it's one of those things, uh, you know, in scripture, it, it talks about um, uh, heaping, uh, when you're, you're paying in, uh, in Proverbs, when you're paying compliments, it's like heaping coals on, on your enemy. And yeah. so, okay, so, uh, all right. So, you know, if there's someone that I don't like, what should I do? I should be really nice to them. Okay. And so for those that are just like in the, the heat of the battle, do you really, and, and, and sometimes jokingly, I'll, I'll, I'll share this in marriage counseling, if you really, just really want to upset your spouse, be nice to them. Like if, you, <laughs> if, you, if you really want to get under her skin, if you really want to upset her, it'll be like pouring coals on her head. Love her. Yes. Do the, do the love dare. 40 days of just investing in your marriage. Uh, you clean the house. You, you pray for her. I'll really get her. And what ends up happening, your heart changes. Her heart changes. Uh, you you can't change, you know, one of those realities, you can't change your spouse. You can change yourself, which surprisingly has an impact on your spouse. So as you focus on the man in the mirror, you ask him to change his ways. I think I heard that somewhere once before. Yeah. Uh, you ask him to change his ways it'll impact your marriage in a way, again, you want to be completely selfish and self-centered. If you bless your wife, it will bless your life tremendously. And again, that's that difference between surviving, looking out for yourself, or living a thriving marriage. And it's really the difference between being a man and being a male. I, I mean, really, yeah. if you think about this, now my wife has no desire to hunt. She has no desire to sit in frozen a frozen duck pond with waders and freeze, and then, you know, she hates that. So we have things we definitely do apart, and it's good for our marriage that we have yeah, those things. Absolutely. However, it is important for us men to realize that as the man, we want to. We you have your title title of your book called Fight Club. We want to fight for our marriage, and we want to fight to draw close. So when we focus on the man in the mirror and we focus on fighting for our marriage, we will we will find we. It is our job as the leader to push or to lean into our wife and to to yeah. say hey honey we need to do something together on a regular basis so that we can come together i know my wife and i yesterday we went on a hike and i was grumpy i had a rough day yesterday and i was grumpy so i came home i just started taking it out on her and she's like calling me out what's your problem why are you doing this hmm. let's just go get on i don't want to go for a hike and I, well, let's just go do it so we so we did it and in 20 minutes the endorphins kicked in we had the best hour after that together it was amazing but we had to push through the whiny baby gym part to get to the good stuff. And that's yeah. that, you know, leaning, we need to lean into those moments that we can draw to closer together. And I think guys think, well, no, my wife and I have nothing we can do together. And that's, there's a lie. It's a lie. 
Yeah. You just took control of the narrative. Yes. Uh, you could have bought into that false narrative and say, hey, we, we're having a bad day. We need to be apart. We have nothing in common at this moment. And say, so, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna look past these funhouse mirrors, yes, uh, and I'm gonna go and and try to find an honest reflection of, of uh, if if I as a man am to to love my wife as Christ loved the church, what would I do in this moment? I'm gonna love her unconditionally. What would I do in this moment? Uh, and maybe that is, hey, let's put on our, our our sneakers or boots and let's go for a hike. Let's sit down on the couch and let's talk. Let, let's go to the driving range and hit some balls. Let, let's go get the kids and let's go for a picnic. It might be something different than what you might want to do in that moment in the flesh, uh, being self-centered. Um, but ultimately, you know, when you when when our wives are happy, man, it blesses our lives. And so, again, one of the most selfish things you can do is just love on your wife unconditionally. You know, you you said something, and I had an epiphany. You know, to step out of something you don't like and do something that's, you know, that's right. You know, I, I can imagine Jesus wasn't going, hey, I think I'll step out of heaven, step into a manger, and then this Sunday we're going to celebrate the resurrection, you know, be crucified. You know, the, you know, he did that as an example to us as men, and we're to be Christ to our wives, which means we need to engage. We need to take that step. We need to draw close to her. We need to find those similar areas so that we can have a thriving marriage. Hey, do you have any insight? Uh, give, give these guys one tip, one piece of advice uh, before we leave that they can use to draw close to their wife. Yeah, you know, and I said just just a few moments ago, be ambitiously curious about your spouse. Mm. No matter how much you think you know about your spouse, here's the honest truth. Listening to the Men in the Arena podcast uh, has an impact on you. It changes you. And so just in this past hour, you are a different person. Um, so now, even if you think, you know, we, when you woke up this morning, you knew everything there was about your wife, your wife has changed uh, and you have changed. Uh, and so over the course of your relationship, you will continue to be growing, developing and, and, and emerging. Uh, and so never stop uh, learning about your spouse. Uh, never Never accept the lie that you know all that there is to it. In the in the movie uh, Fireproof, they they talk about um, maybe get in and in, in the love dare. They talk about it as well. You're going for your call, your high school diploma, and a bachelor's degree, and a graduate degree, and a, and a doctorate. You know, just continue to uh, to want to know more about your spouse. Something practical you can do today, uh, right right now, even uh, before the end of, of today, learn something new about your spouse. Ask them a question. Uh, listen to the answer. Uh, we talk a lot about listening in, in, the, in the book, The Elephant of the Marriage. Uh, but ask your spouse something. Find out something new about your spouse today because I guarantee, absolute guarantee, there is something that you do not know no matter how long you've been married. I've known my wife for now almost 40 years. Now, almost uh, the entirety of my time I've been on this planet we've been in a relationship, whether it be a, a friendship or in, uh, dating, engaged, or married. Uh, and, and still, there's things I'm getting to know about her. That is so good. And, and women are so mysterious. I mean, you know, even the way they, even what my wife will dress, it's like, oh, what's under that package? You know, they're so <laughs> mysterious. So guys, hey, Jason, thanks so much uh, for, li for getting on our podcast. How can our guys get a copy of your book, The Elephant in the Marriage? Yeah, you can ask for it at any uh, any bookstore. The easiest way, you can just go right on Amazon, and uh, they'll go ahead and send it right to your house. You don't even need to, to stop what you're doing. 
uh, go on Amazon.com and just search for The Elephant in the Marriage. Uh, or if you really want to be brave, you can try typing in my last name. It's Dr. Jason Karampatsos. But the, the Elephant in the Marriage. Uh, or they can visit me on my website, which is june3rd.com. J-U-N-E, the number three, the letter R-D.com. And quite simply, that is our, our wedding anniversary. Uh, ah. I thought about but 20 years ago, I did not want to ever be that guy that forgot what our wedding anniversary was. Uh, and so about 20 years ago, I went ahead and got the domain. And um, every time I send and receive an email, I am reminded that my wedding anniversary is June 3rd. Dude, so I, they can visit me on june3rd.com uh, or uh, look for the elephant in the marriage on Amazon. So I don't think I'll ever forget your wedding anniversary. Either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, man, thanks so much for coming on our show. Guys, so you heard it. You heard it. Let me articulate it. Your boots on the ground action step for this week is very, very simple. We want you to sit down with your wife, go get a cup of coffee, take her on a date. That's that's just the means to the end. The end is sit down and listen to her, listen to her heart. You want to discover one new nugget about your wife that you did not know before. So that is your assignment. Guys, conquer it, solve it, fix it, do it. Guys, we're also going to post our Boots on the Ground action item on our weekly uh, equipping blast that you can subscribe to at meninthearena.org when you grab a free PDF copy of our bathroom book for men. Hey, also make sure you head over to our Facebook the Facebook and join the Men in the Arena closed forum for men there for you. And guys, did you know that the Men in the Arena is a nonprofit crowd-funded organization that exists to inspire men to become their best version? Because of a large group of generous donors like you guys, we're able to freely offer this podcast weekly equipping blast, discussion forums, plus all of our small group resources for missionaries and men in underdeveloped nations. And you can find out more how to support this ministry at our website, meninthearena.org. Until next time, feel the wet sand of the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Learn something new about your wife. Grind it out and be a man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world on our closed Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. In our passion to help all arena men, we're offering an excellent free resource when you visit our homepage at meninthearena.org. Simply give us your email, and we'll send you a free PDF version of Jim's book for men called The Field Guide, a bathroom book for men. It's a daily study of manly words in the Bible explained with great stories. Thank you for listening to this episode, the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, thank you for joining men in the arena from around the world who are becoming their best version. And remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.